0: Welcome, Uh, welcome if you're watching online, um, and welcome, especially if you're here in person. You know, you made a great effort to be here, not to be late this morning, right? (laughs) No, we had an hour, extra hour. Did you enjoy that hour? I know I did. It was a good time to sleep in. It's so good to be in the house of God today. Let's pray before we begin. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you that you have special, something special for us. Every time we gather here, Holy Spirit, you want to surprise us. You want to challenge us. You want to change us. And Father, we'd say we we surrender to you this morning, Holy Spirit. Do what you need to do. Because anything you want to do in us and for us is for, for our blessing and for the best. And so we say, Lord, have your way this morning. Give us revelations and insights about who you are as our king and about the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Anyone thankful for the goodness of God here today? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. I'm so thankful. You know, the Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people, shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Isn't that what the Bible says? You know, why do we do that? Well, because the Bible tells us, and because we know that God dwells in the praises of his people. I know that God loves it when we praise and we worship him and we give him honor. We were designed to do that, right? Think of this. If you love hockey, and I love hockey, and I still love the Oilers. I haven't given up on (laughs) them. Many of you have, but, you know. know. But, you know, if you love hockey, and it's the third period, and your team scores the go-ahead goal, what do you do? Yeah, you love football. And it's the third quarter, 30 seconds left, and your team scores the TD to win the game. What do you do? Right? Scream, get excited. Well, you know an event happened of much, much more significance and power than any hockey game and any sports event? It happened well over 2,000 years ago. Remember that Easter morning? Remember that? When they, they, they took Christ, they, they crucified Him, they buried Him, they put Him in the grave and left Him for dead. But three days later, He exploded out of that grave, triumphing over sin and death. Amen? Remember what He did. And now every day, especially Sundays, we can celebrate that one single life-changing event. Because of Jesus, today, We base our hope, we base our faith, we base base our future on what Jesus did. Amen? But we know that he's no longer on the cross, that he is king. He is king. Listen, you know, I believe this, that we are heading into a new season. We are heading into the season of the king. It's the season of the king. It's a season of war. It's a season of warfare. And there are many metaphors for the church that in the Bible that describe us, the church. We are like the body of Christ, or we are the bride of Christ, or we are like the branches, or we are like the flock of God, or we are, we are, like, uh, the, we are the priesthood of believers. But there's another metaphor that I believe that God is bringing to the forefront today. And it's this, that the church is to be like an army. An army. And it, the church is like an army. And John had this revelation this, of, this, of, 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 of this rider on the white horse, ready to lead the charge, rather ready to gather his army. But this is an army. This army is the church today. But I believe it's an army that's not yet moving. And that God really wants to get to gather together and get it moving, and it's not moving because I believe that we, the church, have been distracted. By distracted, one of the greatest hindrances today in in, in our lives is distraction. We've been distracted by all the other things that are happening, but world events, and we're we're shaking them backward. We're, we're distracted by the economy, rising costs, and everything else. We're distracted by politics, but we've taken our eyes perhaps on what really God wants to do. You know, there's a revelation that, that's in the Bible that happened way back there when John was on the island of Pat- Patmos. And I believe this is a revelation that God is bringing to many prophetic people today. And, it, and this revelation is, this is in John, um, sorry, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, when John said, Then I saw heaven opened, And suddenly a white horse appeared. The name of the one riding it was faithful and true. And with pure righteousness, he judges and rides to battle. Listen, Jesus is taking the lead. He is taking the lead. He is mounting his white horse. And one of the prophetic people says, His feet are already in the stirrups. And he's sitting on a horse, a white horse. Now, this is not a normal domesticated horse. This is a white horse. This is a war horse. And I love the description of God gives about the war horse. And, and I, can I stretch this? And I wasn't want to say this. I believe that one of the metaphors in the Bible is this, that the church is like the white horse, that Christ, our Savior, will ride. And this this white horse, and the, God describes the qualities of the white of this war horse, and it's in the book of Job, where where God is talking to Job, and there have this, and, and God says to Job, <clears throat> Job 39 verse starting at verse 19, do you give the horse its strength or clothe its neck with a flowing mane? Do you make it leap like a locust? Striking terror with its proud snorting. Can you picture this horse? Its paws, it paws fiercely, rejoicing in its strength and charges into the fray. It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side, along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground. It cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, it snorts, Aha! It catches the scent of the battle from afar, the shout of the commanders, and the bra- battle cry. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to the Lord with a voice of triumph. Amen. We serve this triumphant king. It's a metaphor of the church. We are in the season of the king. We are in a season of war. We're in the season where we are seeing, literally seeing, the coming manifestation of God's kingdom on this earth. Now, now, now is the time to worship him. Now is the time to praise him. Now is the time. It's all about the king. The king, the king, the king, and his coming. Now is the time to worship and praise him. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 1. Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name see it starts with praise when you pray say our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven if you're a believer you've probably heard this prayer this is the greatest most, this is the most famous prayer in in the world and it's called the Lord's Prayer. And it's a model prayer. Now, notice Jesus said, When you pray, say your kingdom come. He said, Pray it, say it. How many of you say this prayer? How many? Yep, yeah, great. How many of you say it every day? You can pray that prayer every single day. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, his major announcement, his major message, was the kingdom of God. He always talked about the kingdom. Why is that? Why? Because he wants us to know what it is and how it operates. Because if we don't understand kingdom principles and kingdom and truths of the kingdom, we'll live beneath the privileges of the kingdom and we'll live beneath the life that Jesus gave his life so that we could have and we'll end up living according to the patterns and the standards of this world. Isn't that right? I believe that one of the problems is that we live in a country, in a world that's a democracy, right? And a kingdom is so different from a democracy. So question, what is the kingdom of God? What is it on your PowerPoint? It's from the word Greek word basilia. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. A kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, expanding that territory with his will, with his purpose, and his intent, producing a culture and a lifestyle for his citizens. Say with me, kingdom come. Kingdom come. Every time Jesus taught, he brought the concepts and the culture Of the kingdom, he was constantly trying to change the mindset of the culture into the mindset of the kingdom. You know, people when Jesus came, they heard words they had never ever heard before. Jesus announced to this world, to this wreck, this weary world, that God's new world is here now. It is the kingdom invasion. It's the kingdom of God. And suddenly they began to hear words like this. Your faith has made you well. Stretch up your hand and be healed. Your sins are forgiven. Neither do I condemn you. Or like Lazarus, come forth out of that grave. Or like he is risen. He is no longer here. It's a new world through Jesus Christ. Is called the kingdom of God. In his teaching. on on kingdom kevin gerald is a is a great pastor in champion church and he talks about the kingdom of god and he says there are four things and i agree there are four things every single kingdom has every kingdom has number one it has a king a king who's the king jesus is the king over a kingdom he's no longer just a baby in the manger He's no longer just a teacher. He's no longer just savior. He's no longer just Messiah. He's a King. He is the King. First Timothy 1.17 Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. The honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful statement. That's who Jesus is. He's the King. He's the eternal. He's everlasting. He's immortal. He's the only God. And he deserves all the glory and the honor and praise this earth can give him. He's no longer a lamb being led to the slaughter. He's no longer a suffering servant. He is now the king of kings. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the world is about to hear him roar. Amen. He is the king of All kings. Amen? Every kingdom has a king. Secondly, every kingdom has a government. With its laws, with its principles, as revealed in the Bible. And his government is based on his ways, his thoughts, which are so much higher than ours, isn't it? With laws to protect us, not to harm us, but to bless us. Amen? With boundaries, the Bible says, that fall in pleasant places. No, you send your kids out to the playground to play. The worst place you can send them out to play, to play your toddlers, is a place with no boundaries, right? But you're so glad that there are boundaries. Aren't you glad that when you send your kids out to play into this world, that there are boundaries that protect them? That's what God does for us. That's, he's, he sets His boundaries around us. And the psalmist David said, and they fall in pleasant Places, beautiful places. God is so good. His government are his, is, is our boundary. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He came from heaven to earth, and when he came from heaven to earth, he brought the government of heaven To Earth, the government of God, and verse seven says, "Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. There is no end to His government on Earth. It 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 has come, it is still coming, and it is still growing." You know, in a democracy, when you think of a government, um, that's where there's in, in a democracy. That's it's a type of government where there's always room for debate or disagreement, for argument. And you have a free choice, at least in most democracies, right? But when it comes to this government, not when it comes to this government. His law, the king's law, is his, king's word is, our, is is law. We listen to him. Amen. The moment you were born again, you became a citizen of his kingdom. And when you say, "I'm his citizen," I'm a citizen of the kingdom. What you're really saying is, I'm surrendering my will, my life, my ways to the king. But let's be honest. Sometimes there's this tendency in all of us. I don't know. Maybe it's in me. It might, might be in you. But I think it's in all of us that there's this tendency that, uh, that we struggle with, that, that sometimes we want to take scriptures out of context. Or sometimes we would like to see some scriptures totally removed. Do you feel that way sometimes? You know, God's kingdom is God's ways of doing things, right? In Isaiah 55, verse 8, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As as heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts, than your thoughts. In the greatest sermon that was ever preached on worth called the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus challenges the thoughts and the attitudes of people. Their attitudes. And often you see, as you read through, all throughout that chapter 5, even right up to 7, three. Now that sermon goes on to three chapters. And often you hear Jesus say this, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard your friends say. And you have heard a lot of other people say. But what I say is different. My way is a different way of thinking and living. Amen? Every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has a government. And every kingdom has a territory. That territory on earth is called his domain. And what is his domain? What does it cover? The entire earth. The entire earth is God's domain. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign. He will reign. The globalists will not reign our world. The World Economic Forum will not rule and reign and have their, their way in this earth. The governments of this, you know, the presidents and the rulers of this king will not rule and reign over this earth. Amen? Amen. He will reign forever and ever. He will reign. Amen. You know? You know, I believe there's way more happening in this world than we realize that God is doing. His kingdom, you know, I believe it's just a matter of time when we will see his kingdom fill the entire earth. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. There are changes happening in the world and governments. We're going to see these changes begin to accelerate as we head into this, the last part of this year, especially as we head into the year 2004. 2024, right? 2004. It's going way back. Thank you. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1. You see what's happening in the world. You see what the nations... Are, you know, it's a spiritual world that we're living in. Right now, what we're seeing happen. I have never heard of such evil happening, being exposed in places. I've never believed that what was happening in Disneyland was actually happening. I never believed what, what was happening to children and trafficking. It is all being hidden and disclosed and it's all coming to light. Why is that? Because there's a collision of two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness is being hit by the kingdom of light. There's a collision happening. You know, and, it, and it, all the stuff that's happening in, in Israel, and it, you know what it is? It's the spiritual warfare. It's demonic. It's demonically darkness driven. But now we're going to see the hand of God move. We're going to see the rising of the power and the glory of God the King. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 This world is not going to be taken over by those, those prideful, greedy people who think they can control life and humanity. Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 is a picture. That's in Psalm, the psalmist says, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? It's vain, it's useless. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against who? The Lord and his anointed one. It's always been, all this stuff, it's always been a spiritual warfare against Jesus, against God. It says in verse 4, the one enthroned in heaven, what does he do? He laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. He's given him time. This is for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. The psalmist said the earth is the Lord and everything in in it. It's his earth, it's his territory, it's his domain. And fourthly, every kingdom has citizens. These citizens are called in the Greek, ecclesia, called up ones, the church. Listen, the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, you were born into the kingdom of God. And the second thing that happened to you right after and should happen to you is you need to be added to the church. In the book of Acts, they were born into the kingdom and they were added to the church. In fact, if you're a Christian at that time, if you were born into the kingdom, you were automatically added to the church. If you weren't added to the church, you weren't considered to be born again. Do you know that? You had to be a part of the church to be recognized as a bona fide believer in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, the church is not man's idea. It's God's idea. It's God's plan. God's It's for God's plan and purpose to extend his territory and his influence on this earth. The church is not a building. It's a gathering of people. The church is a body. It's a body of believers, right? And, 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 it has, and this, this body has parts that function together. And when the church is not together as one and not, not, not gathered, well, then it does not function. Philippians chapter 3, 18. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their mind is set on earthly earthly things. But our citizenship, where is it? It's in heaven. You have dual citizenship right now. You have dual citizenship. But listen, your first and foremost allegiance should be to the king in heaven. Amen? You are first of all a citizen of God's kingdom. On your PowerPoint, the citizens of the kingdom are called what? Subjects. What does that mean? What does that mean to be subject to something, to someone? It means to get below. It means to get under the king. That's what it means. So as a citizen, I'm subject to the king. My words, or his words, his words are life to me. And his words have the highest i the utmost priority in my life, Amen. You know when you get when you get under His kingship, that's how you get over the world. That's how you overcome. And all your power—it's by living under the ruler, the rule, and the authority of Jesus and His Word—that we become overcomers in this life. You living under gets you over. This kingdom, this kingdom occupies its territory through its citizens, the church. And this is the church that Jesus Christ said that the gates of hell cannot stop. The gates of hell cannot stop. You know, when one person gets saved, you know, when one person gets saved, the church advances and the church wins. When just one soul. So when the church wins... You know what happens? Hell loses. Hell loses. And when the church wins, darkness becomes light. Bodies get healed. The blind see. And hell is emptied. And heaven is filled. It's time, church. How many of you thankful? How many of you thankful that you're part of God's great church? How many of you thankful? Yeah? <clears throat> I believe it's so important that we recognize the times that we're living in. So important. And I say this, if there's ever a time when the world has needed the people who understand the kingdom and who participate in the kingdom, it's right now. This is the time. This could be the greatest time in all of human history for God's people to be subject to the King. And instead of looking to our present governments to restore this broken world, let's look at the unlimited power of God and His greatness. Let's focus on on Him. Amen? At the end of the day, remember who you belong to. Your allegiance is to His kingdom. And on your PowerPoint, this kingdom is so different from this world. This kingdom literally runs counter culture to the world. It's almost everything. It's almost opposite to everything that this world exalts and tells you you should do. Amen. It's counterculture. The ways of the kingdom run counter to the ways of the world. His word, his ways are there to protect you and to bless you at the end of the day. More than anything else, remember your allegiance is to the king. As Christians, our first obligations, first obligation is not to the culture. It's not to racial or gender identity of any group. It's not to maintain family traditions of religion. It's not to party politics. It's not to holding on to long-time friends just to keep their approval, right? Listen, this world is a wreck. There are so many people that are struggling with illnesses right now, that are battling disease, they're struggling with mental health issues, family issues, marriage issues. But listen, with all that is happening, our king rules, our God reigns. Amen? Amen. He rules over sickness, hell, death, the devil. He rules all over them. We serve an all-powerful, immortal, eternal, invisible God. Amen? Amen? It's the season of the king. It's the season of the king that's given praise today. Thank you, Father. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in our lives. May your will be done over sickness, over fear, over death, over everything that's happening in this world. Discouragement, depression, darkness. Devil, you tell in your, in your word that your kingdom is not a matter of talk. First Corinthians 4.20, but it's a power. Power over sickness, death, disappointment, setbacks. Power to heal, power to bless, power to deliver, no matter what situation that you're in right now. I want to tell you, if you're in a battle, God has the power to get you through that battle and to win that battle in the end. Amen? You know, I felt the Holy Spirit say just before I went up to preach to tell someone here today, I know what you're going through. I know the struggles that you have. And I commend you because you have not given up. You're still just holding on. But I want to tell you, the best days are ahead for you and for your life. The best days ahead are are ahead of your life. Amen? Amen? God has good things for you. Don't ever forget that God is a God of goodness. So thank you, Father. Thank you for taking this word and making it come alive so that we experience this word, we live this word out. We, we begin to experience more and understand more about who you are as the king of our life and, and, and the dynamic power and the dynamic life of being involved in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. Amen. Just keep your heads bowed for a minute, just for a moment. If you're watching <clears throat> online or if you're here today, maybe you've never really given your heart to Jesus. You haven't invited him personally to be your Lord and Savior. You can do that today. And if that's you, and I tell you, if, the, if that's you and you haven't received Christ, that's the greatest, most life changing decision that you must make so you when you make this decision you can make it with all your heart and god will literally transform you and put you right into the kingdom of god into a into a new beginning a brand new life amen so if that's you whether you're watching whether you're here in person i want to lead you into this prayer repeat these words after me Say them with all your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, be leader of my life, be Lord of my life. Please forgive me of every sin that I have committed. I invite you into my heart today to be Lord and Savior of my life. And Lord Jesus, make me into that new person. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. And A.